On this week's edition to Soaring to New Heights, Liam and myself take a look at our Christmas wish list. So if we were asking Santa for some wishes underneath the Christmas tree in terms of the Hawthorne AFLW team, these are the things that we'd be looking for. This and so much more on an episode much more enjoyable than putting together flat pack bikes at 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. This is Soaring to New Heights. Hello and welcome to Soaring to New Heights. This week it is our Christmas special and we are going to be delving into our wishes for Hawthorne for season eight. So firstly, my name is Tim and we welcome our co-host Liam. Liam, welcome this evening. Thank you, Tim. Merry Christmas to you and your family, even though we're recording this on Boxing Day. That's right. Merry Christmas to you as well, Liam, and Merry Christmas to all the Soaring to New Heights fans and also the Hawthorne AFLW members. As you said, we are recording this on Boxing Day. We had planned to record this before Christmas, but unfortunately some illnesses from inside my household have knocked a few members down, Liam, and uh, I had to go in and, and play super dad and super husband. So we get to record this a bit after Christmas, but we're still with the same intent and intention that we had for before Christmas. It's fine, just as well season eight doesn't start till August, AFL. Maybe get a collective bargaining agreement sorted so we can have some def- def- definitive dates, please. That's it. We've got a bit of time between now and August, but we're thinking about it, Liam, and we know that Santa comes to all good people. And as we were told as children, Santa comes to all good boys and girls. And we know that Hawthorne supporters are definitely at the top of that list for sure. So we thought for our Christmas special, what better way than for us to have a look underneath our Christmas tree and see what we are wishing for ahead of our second season in the competition which will be season eight of the AFLW competition. Yeah, this one was um, this one was your idea, and I thought it was a really, really good one. Although when I when I went back through the ideas document we made, I actually saw wish lists as a, as, as an idea on that document. So we've we've killed two birds with one stone. Well, that's it. And around Christmas time, we know that everyone likes to have a wish in terms of a gift to receive, and we thought, well, three gifts because no one wants to receive one gift underneath the Christmas tree. We don't receive. More than three because that would make us greedy. So it would also make for a very boring episode if we just did one each. That'd be that'd be pretty quick. It would be incredibly quick. So what we've decided to do on this episode, Hawks fans, is we've got three wishes each. We'll start off with Liam's first wish, then we'll move to mine and we'll go through our three wishes and jump on to our socials as well at the end of this episode. We'd love to hear what your wishes are in terms of the Hawthorne AFLW team for their second season, which will be season eight of the AFLW competition. Yep, and we'll, we'll remind you what our socials are at the end. Obviously, we had a couple of people put some stuff in beforehand. But um, anyway, I'll probably get on to the first thing on my list, which, contrary to what listeners will think, is not a 10-year contract for Lucy Wales, although I would not be opposed to that. Uh, it's more consistent midfield minutes for Bridget Deed. Would be my is actually my first wish. Um, listeners will know that I've predicted her for a while now, pretty much since the season finished, to win our most improved award next year. Uh, I actually have a Talking Hawks article, which I think is going to come out this week, but I'm not 100% sure on that. It's it's in with them uh, about Bridget Deeden, what the many good deeds that she will deliver over the coming years. Uh, 2022, the start of the year. She played in the NAB League girls and flat out dominated. 
32 disposals and seven tackles per game, making the team of the year. This year, she only played the five games, rounds one, two, four, five, and 10, averaging 6.5 disposals, 2.75 tackles. In the first four rounds, playing primarily forward. Uh, she only attended 16 center bounces in those first four weeks. Um, her win rate, though, at those center bounce attendances was high. It was eight wins, three draws, five losses from the first 16, which was rounds one, two, four, and five. Uh, that was way above team average. In fact, only Lou Stevenson's 10 had a higher win rate. Uh, against Freo, though, which was, Tim, be fair to say that was her best game for the season, the Freo game? Yeah, absolutely, that Freo game. I think her and one of the other people that I've got as one of my wishes, Liam, I think they both absolutely stood up in that game. Obviously, we had a few outs in terms of injuries and girls out completing their Year 12 exams, but I would say that was definitely Bridget Deed's finest game for Hawthorne this and season. Especially that first half where she recorded she recorded eight disposals just in the first half, 10 for the game. Uh, but she attended 14 centre bounces in that game, so that, that meant she attended 30 for the season. I'll come to that data in a second. But seven wins, one draw, six losses, which was only behind Charlotte Baskaran and Caitlin Ashmore in terms of win rate for the day, both of whom had much smaller samples. And every single one of their successful centre bounces also contained Bridget Deed. Uh, she did fade out of the game a little bit after half time, but her first half was outstanding. And if the game ended at half time, it'd be fair to say she would have been in my votes for the for our best and fairest award. Um, the other re- the reason I really want to see more of her in the midfield, though, is that her her attending the mid the midfield works. You know, strong body, a beautiful ball user. We'll come to that in a second. But from she attended thirty centre bounces for the season, fifteen wins, four draws, eleven losses, and if I discard. Caitlin Ashmore, who only attended one centre bounce, so I, I can't call that a statistically significant sample. Sorry, Caitlin. Uh, only Lou Stevenson's 10 had a higher win rate. She was five wins, four draws, one loss. So only Lou had a higher win rate for centre bounce attendances. And if I just grab some of the pairing data that I've run throughout the season, so if I look at Bridget Deed and how she pairs, with the exception of Aileen Gilroy, she has positive or neutral pairings with every single player. So Jasmine Fleming, for example, when she attends a centre bounce with Jazz Fleming, five wins, three losses from eight. When she attends with Lou Stevenson, three wins, three draws, one from seven. Uh, when she attends with Charlotte Baskerin, and this is a combination I really like because Charlotte's got that explosiveness out of the middle, whereas Bridge is like almost that quarterback and that stronger body is sitting out the back ready to use the ball. Uh, four wins, one draw, one loss from six. So the samples are smallish, but they're also very encouraging samples as well. Uh, and, and again, I think I think the Jasmine Fleming data is a spe- and Charlotte Baskerin. I think they're especially, again, small samples, but they're especially noteworthy as combinations. And then the other thing, I, the other this is why I think Bridget will improve as well, especially if she gets given more time in her natural position. Uh, on the show, Tilly, Tamara, and Caitlin, Ash, Tilly, Lucas Rod, Tamara Smith, and Caitlin Ashmore have all made a lot of comments about her attitude and her work ethic and how much she puts in and tries to improve her game every week. She knows what she needs to work on and she will, she will do it. And at the end of the day, in a new competition, especially the players who have the will and especially when they have the skill that Bridget does, they will be more than fine. And her, to me, again, I've said this on the show a few times, she bears to me a striking resemblance to a set to Sam Mitchell. Big up in terms of her competition. But that left boot of hers is a lethal weapon, especially over short distances. And 
Jess Duffin, Caitlin Ashmore, Tamara Smith have all commented on her, the potency of her kicking. And I, I think if you get her around the footy a bit more next year, I think she will seriously, seriously improve. And her output will be really, really impressive and could potentially take us up the ladder if other things break right for us. But that, I, that, I'd love to see her get more consistent midfield minutes and be maybe thrown around a little bit less. But we've got a strong midfield, but I think she's a real weapon to add to it. Absolutely. I think she's definitely a real weapon for that midfield. I think the other thing we have to remember too, Liam, is eight weeks in terms of a preseason. Yeah. That's all that's- Bridget had in terms of leading up to her first season, the inaugural season for Hawthorne. And you think, Imagine what she'll be able to do with another preseason under her belt. And we know that there are players down at Bunjil Begora, and they've been there in their off-season working on fitness, working on kicking, working on skills. Uh, and so it's only going to hold them in, in better esteem leading into next season as well. Yeah. I, I, personally, I, I can't wait to watch Bridget's lethal left boot in action again. Yeah, I, I think... I don't think I'm the only one on this call who has the same those feelings. No, no, definitely not. As you said, that lethal left foot. Uh, I think anything within sort of 20 to 30 metres, just watching her being able to pinpoint and hit that target is something we want. And imagine having Bridge going through the midfield and hitting out someone like your Anya McDonough or hitting out your Bridie Hipwells. Uh, that would be wonderful to see. Or even Aileen Gilroy hitting up. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Or... You never know, Liam. It could be the person that I've got as my wish number one underneath the Christmas tree. I quite like this person in the midfield with with Bridget. As, ah. Because the data I just went through, she that they work. Yes. Yes, definitely work. Well, my wish, Liam, my first wish is for a healthy return for Tamara Luke. So we know that Tam Luke played round one uh, and then after round one, Unfortunately, in the first five seconds of round two against St Kilda did her ACL. And we know coming back from significant uh, leg injuries can be very, very difficult. But I think Tamara Luke adds experience to our side that we definitely need, especially to that forward line. So we know Jess Duffin throughout the season was moved from back line to forward line to help out. Anya McDonough to help out Bridie Hipwell to help out our young forwards. And I think having Tam Luke back from injury, playing healthy, and definitely being able to hit her peak, hopefully next season, means that Anya and Bridie will have that experienced head down there and that experienced head taking the number one defender, helping them out with their running patterns, helping them out with leading to the likes of Bridget Deed, the Jazz Flemings, the Tilly Lucas Rods, the Tamara Smiths. And I think also having Tam Luke back allows Pendles to be able to play a bit more time in the forward line. And we know from our discussions that we've had with some of the players, was she wasn't able to do that this year because of the injury to Tam Luke. So imagine if Pendles is able to use that endurance in the forward line. You've got Tam Luke uh, in some of those centre bounces. And we know that after the second minute of round two, I think Pendles missed, and you'll be able to tell me four, missed four centre bounces. So imagine Tam Luke comes back healthy. He's able to give Pendles a bit of a chop out. And it means that we see Pendles in the forward line using her endurance around the ground. And the other thing that I'd love to see, obviously, with Tam Luke back is that on-field leadership. So we know that she was nominated as one of the vice captains for our team, which was wonderful. But 
was only able to play that one full game and that was in round one against Essendon. When we spoke to Tilly Lucas Rod, Tilly spoke about how wonderful Tam was off the field in terms of training, in terms of being able to help out. And when the, the team was having their discussions and meetings throughout the week, and you just think, imagine what that would be like on the ground, helping out our young, inexperienced forwards, our young, young inexperienced midfield. That's something that I would love to see. So my wish, number one, is for a healthy return from Tam Luke uh, to really help out our team going forward in season two for the Hawthorne AFLW team. Yeah, there's two things I'd like to add to that. First of all, so that I want to make a, a correction to something I just said. Uh, the player you're talking about for your second wish is the one I was actually referring to when I said I'd like to see them more in the midfield with Bridget Deeds. That's, I was referring to the player who is the subject of your second wish. Yep. That's a, just a little correction for listeners. Although I wouldn't mind seeing Tamara in the midfield a bit more. Uh, Tamara Luke was a VFLW Team of the Year forward. So she's more than capable of playing that role. And she was also named our best club person. So you were very right with the leadership stuff. Just the club has also recognised that. But I agree. I would love to see Tamara Luke in that foot. You know, Anya McDonough, Bridie Hipwell, Tamara Luke, that's a pretty good forward line. And then Tamara chopping out Lucy in the right. And Lucy, whilst playing 100% game time, ran... Sarah LeKay, who is an absolute star and one of my favourite players to watch in the competition. Uh, and yes, listeners, all my favourite players to watch who aren't Hawthorne players are rucks. Get over it. <laughs> but she ran Sarah LeKay into the ground. Like Sarah LeKay had no influence on that game after half time because Lucy Wales had run her into the ground. Now imagine Lucy able to play 80% game time rather than 99.99% game time in terms of in the ruck. She's just going to be able to do it at a higher intensity. So that Tim, that's a that's a really good one. But um, yeah. So I'm just building a bit on that. You have any more no. to add on tomorrow? No, no, that's it. As I said, so for mine, Tam Luke, that's my number one wish. Obviously, we don't like seeing players go down with season-ending injuries, and hopefully, we just see a return from Tam Luke next season. And I think having that return both on the ground and off the ground is only going to be beneficial for the club. Yeah. So we'll move on. And this is a semi-related wish. My second wish is for a settled backline. So as we all know, defences win premierships and long-term, which is what, what our build is, our build is a long-term sustainable success strategy. A settled backline will be crucial to that. And backlines probably more than most depend on continuity because it's you need to know how other people move and work to be able to give your teammate a chop out or to cover or to know you can leave that one. So when you're chopping and changing a lot, it's really difficult to settle. We had two defenders, and one of which hasn't one of them has an asterisk next to their name on my notes, who played every game this season, Kath Brown and Jess Duffin. Jess Duffin has an asterisk next to her name for two reasons. Number one, she played about half the season forward, and number two, she's retired. So She's not going to be in that back line at all next year. So if I just go through some of our defenders, Tegan Cunningham played eight games and missed a couple with injuries so, and also played everywhere. Mackenzie Eardley played seven and went off injured in, in another one with knee and hand issues. Ainsley Kemp played seven. One was missed due to illness. Laura Elliott played six. Eliza Shannon played six. Richo played five. Lou Stevenson played three, two of which were in the midfield and then played the last game against Freo in the back line. 
There's absolutely no, and this is through no one's fault. This is through injuries, concussion, illness, etc. Exams for Laura Elliott. But, th- but this limited continuity did create challenges. You could see there at times, and also lack of preseason. That the, the understanding perhaps wasn't quite there. The talent was, but the understanding, that ability to support each other, wasn't. And then the last two rounds, we just didn't have the matchup for. Jesse Wardlaw and Onya Tice once Mackenzie Eadley was out with a hand injury. So a settled back line may also mean maybe a bit more depth in the key posts for me, but I'd like to see that that back line settled a bit more. Um, Richo and Laura Elliott, to me, jump out as especially promising, but I mean, they've all got their moments. And, and Mackenzie Eadley, obviously, as well. I'll, I'll talk about her a bit in my third wish, but I think she could be a genuine A-grade key defender in this competition, especially because she offers rebounding as well with that right foot. But all this this lack of continuity, all this chopping and changing, I think it hindered our backline's ability to be effective and to really gel. And I think there's a lot of progression with this backline, but I think it needs a bit more continuity. And that, so my real, one of my big wishes for next year is a settled backline that can grow together, learn and start learning each other's games on the field so that when we're pushing that higher end of ladder in a few years' time, they know each other, they're ready, they're set, and they can go. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that's going to help that more settled backline. I think it's also interesting, Liam, out of the, I think you've mentioned eight players or nine players who were rolled through that backline throughout this season. And Kath Brown, AFLW debutante this year. Yeah. Big Mac, AFLW debutante this year. Laura Elliott, so Billy, AFLW debutante. Eliza Shannon, AFLW debutante. Richo, AFLW debutante. So out of the ones that we You could have just saved the time and said the ones who weren't. Yeah, well, that's it. But you think about that and you go, well, obviously they, they weren't able to play that full season together. And we know that it is a short truncated season. There's only the 10 games rather than having each team playing each other once at least. Hello, AFL. Feel free. You know, something that we know in terms of the, the inadequacy of the, uh, of the draw that we had, but it's just really interesting that the players that we mentioned, it's their first season. Yeah. They think more settled. We know the benefits that are going to come about from having them playing together, but obviously also training together, yeah. both pre-season and throughout the actual season. Like Richo missed the first five games and also missed a significant chunk of the pre-season. Yep. Injury. We know that I think Ainsley Kemp missed a bit of the pre-season as well. Uh, Laura Elliott missed a couple of games throughout the season where she had uh, an injury to her lower body. Eliza Shannon with the concussion. So in terms of that continuity, both training and gameplay, I think that's something that can only be beneficial with more time together. Yeah, and taking Cunningham with a foot injury as well. Yes, yeah, and we know that few, for very few more terrifying things than big athlete and foot injury in the same sentence. That's exactly what I was thinking there, Liam. And then, you know, one of the players we mentioned was Duff, and we said, well, you know, Duff moved forward, but we know Duff's not there next year. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see who fills that gap. The other one that we forgot to mention there as well, Sherpa. Uh, yes, AFL, Emily. Everest, AFL, I, really should, I really should have mentioned her. AFLW debutant as well. So yep. we do have a lot of young players in that back line. And obviously, the more time they get together with those experienced heads like 
you're Tegan Cunningham, you're Ainsley Kemp, who had experience uh, prior as well as Lou Stevenson. So experience in the AFLW prior to season seven for Hawthorne. Yeah, they need time individually and time together. And it may take a, a bit of time, especially with some of the other back lines in this competition. But there's a lot of talent there. We need to get it settled, let it nurture. And it's an exciting back line to build off. We, when we talked about our future, when we did the future episode, I think it was, this was a line you and I are both really excited about. But we'll need some time to get them settled, get them into, get them knowing their roles a bit. Because, and your role, when your role changes week to week as well, when your teammates change, especially when there's no like for like substitute. So, for example, Jenna Richardson was on medium sized forwards most weeks. And then in the last round, she got a half on on your tie. And Richo is a phenomenal defender. You can't defend someone who's more than half a foot taller than you that easily. No, no, it makes it very, very difficult to be like having Penny Newman lining up against Liam. Not, yeah, that's not a two-year-old lining up against someone who's six foot seven for reference. <laughs> <laughs> not quite fair in terms of that. But as you said, hopefully uh, with that more settled backline, we'll be able to see players like Richo able to play on those medium-sized forwards, which means... Hello, Erin Phillips. I hope Jenna Richardson's pocket was comfortable. <laughs> she had a fantastic job. It was uh, game number two. Uh, yes, her second game. Second game. And then game number three was... Cora Storton got stuck in the same pocket. That was it. Unreal. Unreal from Richo. All right, we'll move on to my second wish, Liam. And Good my idea. second wish here is for a Hawthorne AFLW player to win the NAB Rising Star next year. And that player is Charlotte Baskaran, better known as Carol. So she was absolutely exceptional this year. I'm still gobsmacked, flabbergasted, that she did not get a Rising Star nomination. And from talking to Cashy last week, Cashy is also of the opinion that Carol deserved to at least have been nominated, but is on the same bandwagon as myself that she believes that's actually beneficial for Carol, because that means next year she's got uh, full steam ahead to take out that award. So as I was saying, I thought she was absolutely exceptional this season. Played 10 games, really started to shine towards the back end of the season. Averaged 10 uh, and a half disposals a game. That round 10 game against the Dockers, that for mine is where she absolutely excelled. So mostly midfield time in that game and she was electric. So I know you were talking before about the pace that she was able to show and about her quickness. She took the opposition on. She showed her speed. The way she took the game on to set up Jess Duffin's last goal to keep us in the game, that was absolutely brilliant to see. 14 touches and a goal against Frio in our second game interstate. And I think the thing we have to think about this is she played the season as a 17-year-old who was still studying year 12. So imagine what she's going to be like with another preseason under her belt yeah. and not having to worry about her final year commitments to VCE studying. Yeah, and for reference, she'll be incredible. And listeners, just for reference, she turned 18 two and a half weeks ago. Was it three? No, it's two and a half weeks ago. I'm just quickly doing some maths in my head there. But she turned 18 on December 9. Mm -hmm. Recording this on Boxing Day. So I just think you, you're she was one of the youngest five players. And she was the youngest player, or damn close to it. I'd have to double check. I probably should have done that before the show. Um, in the whole competition. Yeah, so I just think she definitely next year has to be one of the leading contenders for that Rising Star Award. 10 games under her belt already, really starting to shine and excel as a midfielder, starting to take the game on in terms of speed, her 
work rate is exceptional. Her vision, as I said, setting up that goal uh, for Jess Duffin, which kept us in the game with a couple of minutes to go. The way she's able to hit the scoreboard as well. So kicking goals throughout, I think it was three or four games this year that she kicked goals. And you think about as a midfielder with shortened quarter times, it's definitely beneficial. And she's highly regarded inside the club as well. So if you go back and listen to our podcast last week with Caitlin Ashmore, Cashy spoke so highly about her and definitely believes that she was robbed not to have been nominated for that round 10 effort against the Dockers. Having yeah, I, played... I, I nearly went to the police station to ask for an inquiry, but I remember I then thought Victoria Police wouldn't have jurisdiction and I would get thrown out and yelled at. <laughs> yeah, no, she should have definitely received a nomination. But as I said, it only bodes well because it means that next year we know that Charlotte will be taking out the AFLW Rising Star Award. There you go. I've got my positive pants on, Liam. That's a shock, isn't it? Uh, no. Um, well, unless the AFL decide to change the rules again. Which they could. Who knows? The Rising Star Award next year might be for players under the age of 35. They've done dumber things. <laughs> but anyway, we move on to my third wish. And this is me really showing my personality a bit here. My wish is to have a similar win total with an improved percentage. Um, by the way, to be clear, I'm working off the assumption that it's a 10-game season again. That could change with the CBA. I don't think it will, based on what we've seen from social media speculation, membership prices, season start dates. I don't think it will. But, and look, make no mistake, we will improve. We will improve a lot. I mean, so will a lot of other teams. And I'm going to come to why I'm, I'm, I'm probably higher on this group than just about anyone long-term. But this group is so young and I will be judging more next season on percentage than wins because they're so young. And I actually think it's a really good indicator of team quality. To be clear, I can't really judge how we'll go win total until I see the draw for next year. Obviously that could change if we happen to draw. If we get told you're going to play Sydney 10 times, my metric, will, my expectations will change. If you get told you're going to play Brisbane 10 times or Melbourne 10 times, I might say, hmm, I don't think this prediction is going to, this wish is going to be granted no matter what I went, no matter what we do. Um, but yeah, so I look at, but the reason I think I'm hoping for a win total similar is because and I'm trying to keep my wishes realistic here. Our draw was the easiest or close to it, depending on my, whether you use my metric or German Bastiani and Sarah Black's. Lost Jess Duffin. Two of our three wins were by less than a kick and Port Mr. Lotton, the win against us. We did also come close in other losses as well. So it's probably about par in terms of close game win losses. Uh, points differential, points for and points against. We all ranked, we ranked 16th in all those metrics with West Coast and Sydney below us. West Coast had a much harder draw than we did. However, we were disadvantaged compared to other clubs in the preseason. So we'll actually have a full process in this time. So we'll be able to make up some ground. How much we can make up though, I'm a little skeptical at this point with losing our top scorer. The big issue I've got in, is with contract structure. Like we can, we, Hawthorne will be an attractive destination to players. The culture that the club has built is incredible. However, with the current structure of the AFLW CBA, which has expired, so feel free to correct this makes it very hard to draw to move players out of their club 
because you can't you often can't compete financially like you can only be level a net neutral financially and a player has to really want to move you can't entice them financially the other the other question is will we have the same surprise factor i think we caught a lot of teams off guard with how we played will that be the same next year look did we have a lot of injuries and exams yes mcdonough eardley stevenson just to name a few tomorrow luke's another one we've got the top victorian pick that will improve it's a mature age draft though so I question how strong the talent pool might be. There'll be some really good players, I'm sure. But it's not the same as last year's draft, if that makes sense. Like, we're not going to get... We're probably not going to get a Jazz Fleming. And like I said, I am... And we've had a lot of conversations about this, Tim. I am as high on this group as anybody. But I think it will take a bit of time. So what my wish is to see an improved percentage next year, even if the win total may not shift. Yeah, it's interesting. I think what you were saying before, you were talking about the close wins and the close losses and how they sort of cancelled each other out. The thing I find fascinating by this, Liam, is if we won against GWS going into those last two games against Brisbane and then against the Dockers away from home, we were still a realistic chance of making finals. And I know this is me with my positive pants on because that's just who I am. Yeah. But... I I can't see us not improving in terms of percentage and I can't see us not improving in terms of win. This is, once again... Subject to the draw. Subject to the draw. But something you mentioned and you were talking about the contract structure issues and how players have to want to come to the club. They will. I was going to say, go on and have a listen to Ketchy. So Ketchy had a piece that was placed out by the AFLW club so tonight by Hawthorne. Speaking about the notion of it's one club for both the men's and the women's coming together as one club. Yeah. And I just think if you are any player, yeah, looking absolutely. At that, you're going, we are welcomed. We are included. We are part of the family. We're not an add-on. We're not a side. We are part of it, Correct. which I think is wonderful. And I think that's something that, you know, if you're a player who wants to go places, it's not all about the money. And we know at the moment from speaking to Cashy and from speaking to Tilly and speaking to Duff and speaking to these players who are working, you know, nine till five and then going to training in the evening because of the structure of the CBA, obviously the money part is something that, you know, the players are definitely not getting paid what they should be getting paid. But if we have... That's the union rep talking. That's the union rep talking here. But if we have this culture that is unbelievable that players want to be around. I just think it wouldn't surprise me, even though the structure and the way it works, it wouldn't surprise me if we see players, whether it be in this coming season or, you know, sequential seasons to come, lining up to want to be part of it. I think they will in a couple of years' time. My other question is how many list spots are we going to have available? Well, that's it. If we know if it's 30, at the moment we've got one available. Yeah. Stuff has retired. Now, what are the changes? We don't know at the present time, and we probably won't know until we we're, know what the season cer- is going to be. And we're certainly not going to speculate about players' future in a negative way on this show without any kind of knowledge on list size, because that's grossly unfair on us and on them. Absolutely. And then what you just said there about the list size. So we know at the moment, if it stays at 30, which is what it was for this season, we currently have one position available. 
coming into the draft, there'll be a certain number of picks that we would have to take into the draft to use. Yeah, I would certainly be inclined to use the top Victorian pick as well, even though I was maybe a little negative on the quality of mature age draft. There will be some very good players. I would be inclined to use the best Victorian access we can get. But For sure. Now, I'm thinking though, Liam, because obviously you're a bit pragmatic and that's not something you're very good at. Do you have some positives to go with your list? You know the answer is yes, because I sent you quite a long list of positives and I sounded like I was giving quite a negative wish, but I was also trying to keep a realistic same time. Again, I'm judging this team more on percentage because that's, to me, let's think of the men's comp, for example, Brisbane a few years ago. Their, their win total didn't improve. Their percentage skyrocketed. And the next year, their ladder position skyrocketed. That's kind of how I'll be judging progression for us. Again, subject to the draw. If we get the top eight teams and then a couple of others, like, okay, we just copped a much harder draw. And our draw will be harder next year as well. That was one, probably one of the main reasons for my wish being framed the way it is because our draw will be a lot harder. But here we go. Here are some positives. And this is not this was not from Tim's idea, by the way. This is, I sent this to Tim as the list of positives as to why I am higher on this group than just about anyone even though my last 10 minutes might not sound it. I think Jasmine Fleming will win a league best and fairest. I said that since about round three. You go back through my Twitter, you will see from about round three or four on on my feed, Jasmine Fleming will win a league best and fairest. I've doubled down on that. I'm going to continue to do so. Uh, Emily Everest and Laura Elliott look like really good players. I like Kath Brown and Richo a lot. I also think Mackenzie Eadley has no ceiling as a footballer. Uh, Richo's already an elite shutdown defender. My views on Bridget Deed are well known in terms of her progression. Charlotte Baskaran was 17 this year. Uh, statistically, Jazz Fleming, Charlotte Baskaran, and Tilly Lucas Rod are a phenomenal midfield combination so far. Uh, Lou Stevenson will be back properly. She's still only 27, and she plays a game style that will age well. She's not someone who def- depends on, athletic- on athleticism and burst of pace. Uh, Aileen Gilroy and Caitlin Ashmore, I also think their games will age well. They're obviously some of our more experienced and older players, but they don't depend on line-breaking speed. Caitlin Ashmore depends more on her running capacity, which is very sustainable. Aileen Gilroy can adapt to becoming a long-kicking rebounding defender or a high half forward. Again, don't need elite speed for that. So if that eventually wanes, which we hope it doesn't and probably won't for a while, it's a game that will age well. Uh, The tiny tees, they don't stop. Uh, Tilly, who's the oldest of the two, she's only 26. Uh, I think Anya McDonough could be the best key forward in this competition down a few years down the line. She'd never played the sport before this year. She moves beautifully. She marks well. She kicks well for goal. Give her a bit more time. I also think Bridie Hipwell is a really good player, and those two could be a deadly one-two punch for a decade. Uh, Zoe Barbacos had barely played before, before this year. Uh, Big Boy and Dom Carboni will continue to develop. Uh, Sophie Locke will have a little bit or a lot less on her plate off the field although she's her, the resilience of Sophie Locke is just something else uh, Tamara Luke comes back and how could I forget Lucy Wales I think there's something you left up that list though Liam go ahead Coach Beck Goddard like if we're talking about the positive uh, yeah I was focused on the playing group but yes absolutely Beck, Beck Goddard was I probably should have been, Beck should have been the top of the list even though I took a playing group focus, but yes, you're right. Well, I just think in terms of all those things that you mentioned, you have to have that people manager who's able to get the best out of people. And we know that Beck 
is doing a phenomenal job in terms of setting up that culture at the club. But I think she will be able to get the best out of the likes of your Tilly Lucas Rods, your Gillies, your Cashes, as well as your younger players, your Zoe's, your Sofs, your big boys, your Doms. Um, I, I did for mine. I would definitely. Add her yeah. to I, I'm again. You won't meet a bigger Bet Goddard fan than the two of us on this show. True story. I was going to say than me, but then I realized you're probably going to drive from Melton to come have a go at me for that. <laughs> I mean, you're already in the car, ready to go. So I am. I'm in my recording studio while the kids sleep. Anyway, we'll let you get onto your final well, wish. Yeah, so my wish comes back to injuries. So it ties in with sort of what you were saying in terms of that settled back line, but mine's just in terms of the squad. We know that there's a list size of 30 currently. That should, please make sure that grows, AFL. 70% of a list shouldn't be playing every week. Well, that's it. Because we know that injuries are something that you don't want. You never want injuries. But if you've got a lot of young players and you're getting injuries to some of your more experienced players, it's even more damaging. So you think about, we won three games this year. So 30% win in terms of the strike rate, but geez, an unbelievable effort when you consider some of the players that were missing in terms of experience. Lou Stevenson and Tam Luke, two of our vice captains, injured for the majority of the season. Both of, both of whom got votes. Lou Stevenson got seven in, in our best and fairest in round one. In round one. Richo, who you said is already an elite shutdown defender, missed the first five games as well as the preseason through injury. Big Mac missed games both in the middle of the season when she hurt a knee against Richmond in the warm-up, but then also with her hand injury at the end of round eight. Eliza Shannon, concussion, missed four rounds. Yeah. Literally, the list goes on. If you went through all the players who sustained injuries throughout the season... Or had exams. Or had exams. And that's the thing. Look at that last game against the Dockers. With injuries and then also students sitting that final exam, we literally had enough players to cover the 21 players needed for the game, as well as three emergencies. Now, we were lucky because Lou Stevenson became available for that that round. Yeah. Lou Stevenson didn't become available for that round. We either play with two emergencies or we start relying upon some of those top-up players. Yeah, speaking of top-ups, Freya had a load of them playing this season. That's, that's something I should have mentioned when I was talking earlier. But Freya, and you saw the impact of top-ups. Freya... Yeah. Are a Fremantle, let's, let's be clear, Fremantle are a really, really good side. But this year, they were almost calling up your daughters. They were that, they were that shoulder numbers. Well, look, you know, I, I imagine that the two girls, they would have had a crack for sure. They wouldn't have enjoyed the colours they were wearing, but they certainly would have had a crack. That's, that's something they could say. But I, I, you look at the injuries and you just think, imagine what this squad could do with a good run of injuries. Because all of a sudden you start getting competition for positions. Correct. Start seeing these players on a weekly basis improving, improving. Soaring to new heights. And that's what we want to see. And so for mine, wish three, less injuries. Because if we see the squad together, being able to train through the preseason, being able to play throughout the season, not having these injuries to experienced players, but then also to crucial players like your Richos, to your Big Macs, to your Liza Shannons. The world is their oyster. Yeah, and that, that's where, I think that's where the progression over time will come as well, is just through getting experience, getting games together. You know, you look at, look at them, you know, look, who've, look who've won, who won the flag this season. Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, 
who was the other prelim finalist? North Melbourne. North. Yep. Three of them were there since the beginning. North Melbourne, two years later. Yeah. That and shows, that- and that's that's a and that's a continuity gap that's going to take time. And that's another, as well as experience, that's a gap that's going. But when your players are in and out of the side through injury the whole time, you can't even get the ball rolling on getting that continuity going. Yeah, that makes it really tricky. But I'm very bullish, Liam, because I'm saying season eight, we're going to have less injuries. Now, we haven't seen a fixture. We haven't seen a schedule. We haven't seen a draw in terms of who we're playing. But pencil it down in your diary that on the 26th of December, 2022, Tim said the team will make the eight. There you go. Okay, I will make a note of that. And that will be, that comes to fruition. That's, that's very optimistic and very, 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 very good. Well, that's I'll, I'll, nothing more than that. I'm, I'm a bit more reserved in my optimism, as you guys have well noticed from listening to the show and my 15 minutes tonight saying I want more of an improved percentage. And I would, I think that we will get that, mind you. Oh, of course. As I said, I think we'll get improved percentage. But I'm saying, Liam, I don't have it down as fourth wish because we said three and we don't want to be too greedy. But wish for as we make the finals. There you go. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, as we <laughs> look, I think we'll, I think next season we will improve, and let's see how we go. We'll we'll talk about this a lot more closer to the time as well. Once we have a draw, once we have once we actually know what in on the, in the world is going on, basically, we couldn't know less right now through no fault of anyone at the clubs. No, that's it, and that we don't know. We're going into this blind, but these are our wishes that we wish for underneath the tree, and yeah. because we were fantastic supporters this year of the Hawthorne AFLW club, Santa Claus has delivered. So they're the three wishes that we we received, Liam. So hopefully... Let's hope they're season, granted. That's it. Hopefully next season when it rolls around, they're granted. But you have one more wish. Yeah, sorry to be, this is purely for selfish reasons. I'm, most listeners will know that I, have to, I will be relocating to Canberra for work in the new year. I'll still be going down to most of the games... Uh, a game in Canberra would be really nice. There is a, the Giants do have a contract to play two games in Canberra for the AFLW next year. Get out of the Henson Health Hazard and bring the Hawks to Canberra. Oh, look, there's another drive-by for that venue. Well, just think about it. If they do play at Monaco Oval, if they do play in Canberra, at that time of year, it probably won't snow. No, so, and it's a 10-minute walk from where my office will be. Jeez, it'd be very difficult for you to get to that one, Liam. Well, it depends on where I'm living, but <laughs> uh, so that brings us to the end of this episode. It's been an absolute joy talking about our wishes for season eight for the team, especially based around the Christmas season as well. It's just that's... doing our Twitter message chain. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now there may be another episode between now and New Year, uh, possibly. We'll just have to wait and see, see if anything pops up. Probably, it's probably unlikely now, just given the time we'd, we we would have been more confident if we had a few extra days but obviously things got in the way which is through no one's fault so that's it but you know me liam power of positivity it may happen it may happen yeah <laughs> now in terms of the socials if you jump on twitter and instagram it's at hfc saw and on facebook saw into new heights we'd love your feedback based on this episode we'd love yeah. to know what your wishes are yeah, your wishes of, yeah we want to know what your wishes are for season two for the Hawthorne AFLW team, which will be season eight for the AFLW competition. Now, in terms of Talking Hawks, 
which you and I both do a fair bit of writing and work for, Liam. There's loads of content up about the men and the women there, and there'll definitely be more coming in the new year. And as you said earlier, keep your eyes open for a piece early in this week about rigid deeds. So hopefully it will pop just before New Year's. And yeah, I'm, that- not, I'm not sure when the plan is for that, but I know they've got it. And I know at this point, the intention is, I think, for it to come out this week, but it's obviously out of our hands. But I think you guys will enjoy that one. I, I put a lot of work into that. Absolutely. And- Yes, there is some overlap with my discussion on Bridget Deed tonight and that piece because, well, it was the same numbers that I used in doing a mini deep dive to unpack a bit. Because, Tim, you'll be shocked. I used numbers when I was working. That's a shock. Absolutely. If you weren't a lawyer, Liam, you would have made a hell of an accountant. I'm not a lawyer yet. (laughs) Nothing I say on this show is ever legal advice. It's never legal advice. There's a little asterisk that goes with it. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Once again, Merry Christmas. Hopefully you enjoy a safe and happy period with family and friends leading up to the new year. And until next time, go Hawks.